If you could be any reindeer, what reindeer would you oh my be? Oh, God. Prancer. Rudolph. Dancer. Dancer. What is happening? Man, I was very excited to do this podcast. That answer just went so many different directions. No, let's not get into that. Well, let's get into it. I feel like we've done this question. We definitely no, no, no. have it. We've done one where we tried to name all of them, uh, which is what okay. I was doing while she asked that. I was like, how many, which ones are they? Did you and I pick the same one? Yeah. yeah. Would you you said dancer? Dancer, too? yeah. Oh, mm. why? Because it sounds cool. Yeah, and also I don't want to do uh, Rudolph because he's uh, basic. This, yeah, he's like basic and he's a small. He's such a beta. Why Rudolph is, is such a beta. Bro, that's they, the only one I know. How do you guys know all these reindeer? I, do you know Shami would actually make a perfect Rudolph. Dancer and prancer. Dancer and prancer. There's a song. You guys are too into this culture. I feel like Rudolph is really like nerdy. And they'd be perfect for you. Isn't he the one that ran over the grandma? No, Rudolph no. got... Oh, wait, Grandma that got... Was like Rudolph all of them. is who's like the, the one the that reindeer? shines the light I know who Rudolph him. is, but they all the did. reindeer... They all did. It was like a, all of them. It's just... Like, no, no. Uh, the song is just Grandma got run over by reindeer. Yeah. Oh, so it's not like... It doesn't, doesn't like specify which one. Yeah, oh, yeah, dang. Yeah. That's I the, didn't that's even know one. that Christmas song until I met you guys, and I know most That's the only one I know. Literally. No. Yeah. We sang all of them last year. The songs... But he doesn't Those know Those aren't them. the reindeer songs. Oh, the reindeer. No, no, no reindeer not reindeer songs. songs like oh. Christmas songs. I barely like knew them. Huh. Jingle bells, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's Wait, the ones let's that talk are in about the reindeers while we chose them. The, what's the one dashing through the snow and the one horse open? That's jingle bells. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> he barely <Literally>. knows them. <laughs> okay. Um. So... And Frosty the Snowman. Which and... one? No, no. Which you... reindeer oh. did you pick? I Frosty chose. The <laughs> <laughs> I chose Prancer because hello, me Amber Prancing. I don't know what that means. Just like what's Prancer? If we knew their personalities, like it would it would help. Yeah, I feel I like don't know the I was choosing it based off of how the name sounded and Prancer and Dancer. You know, they just seemed. I just want whichever one's like the meanest. No one knows the other. They're all the same. Just the different meanest? names. The yeah. only one that matters is Rudolph. That's. Probably no, true. That's that's in every context true. when they're brought up, everyone's like Rudolph. They yeah. never care about the other. I ones. feel like Rudolph is just very PC. Somebody told me that <laughs> like, Rudolph oh, was actually something gay. wrong with him. Like what? Yeah, he's like he's like smaller. See, that's what I'm talking about. What she say? I didn't hear that Rudolph's actually gay. Like why? Who said? Who? Like there's. <laughs> Wait, honest. he's part who, of the clique though, right? Who invented Rudolph? Santa. Did you ever think about that? Like who invented this in the very? Who invented any of these? There's just like stories that. That's so that crazy. Came out. Who thought like let me think of this many reindeer? What okay, okay, listen, listen, nose? listen. This will help. Reindeers and their personalities. Dasher, he loves to go fast, and his skill is sewing. Dancer is completely extroverted, and he, he likes all kinds of dance. Prancer is a bit vain, though affectionate, and he likes prancing. Vixen is slightly tricky, and he likes magic. Comet is handsome and easygoing and good with kids. Okay, I want Comet actually. Cupid <laughs> is affectionate and bringing people together. Donner is loud and likes singing. Amber, that's actually you. Blitzen is fast as a bolt, can electrify others. Rudolph, a little down on himself, nose glows. Shamir. Olive. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Olive the reindeer? What? What? It says Olive admits when he's when Dang, she's wrong. Dang, you guys don't even know. Oh, it's a girl. It's a she. It's one she admits when she's wrong and good at hiding go seek. Not Amber. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Those are the personalities, and that's okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm Frost. Oh, my name is Amber. And special and guest on the podcast today we have 
Emma. Ooh, this is brought to you by Olive Theory. Yes, and you can um, <laughs> find us on all social. Like, everything okay? Why do you keep doing this? Uh, everything okay? I'm trying to get in the mo- like groove um, of like the intro. You, Anyways, it's been like two me. years. You haven't got the groove. <laughs> uh, um, yes. <laughs> He's out of the groove now. I, I'll no, stop like you, up. you gotta like ease into it. Hold on, mentally. Okay, One, so this two. stop. Give me some space. Mental you space. You have so much space. You're He's talking over. Rudolph right now. <laughs> all right, we're on all social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> what is so funny? The way you listen to characters in Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, um, and you can listen to us on Spotify, dude. They're not gonna know where to listen to okay, us. Okay, Come okay, on. All right, Spotify, <laughs> Amber, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and like anywhere else you listen to your <laughs> podcast. You can email us. At, oh, we're also on YouTube. Video. That's where you see the video portion. Um, and then um, email strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com for like your amazing stories. Thank you so much, Shimmer, for explaining all of that. That was beautiful. You guys, you guys didn't help me at all. You guys are supposed to be like my You need to be able to support. do it regardless of what we're doing. You well, got well, this. In no, the, no, but in the they can't hear. World, we, we're completely against Rudolph. Like we make fun of him and stuff. And I'm a guest, so you should accommodate me laughing. I don't want to be daughter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why are you thinking it's about this? thing to say. Um, guys, real quick, you see me wearing the sweatshirt. Uh, we got the sweatshirts back just for you. So um, we have a few left that uh, if you didn't wow. get a chance to pre-order it, make sure you order it now before they go out. Um, and we still have a little bit of the Identity Series um, shirts one. left. Wow. And uh, Great. they're... Their uh, reduced price now, so uh, make sure to get one. Um, so we've been gone for just a minute. I feel like this is this every is podcast. Every podcast. Yeah. But we're no, back. no, seriously, because um, we were done with my sister's wedding in the last one. That's what happened, right? right. And then yeah. now we just got back from a trip um, to go attend our friend Saad's wedding in Texas, and that was that was awesome. And now yeah. we're finally done all the wedding stuff. Don't right. you guys have one more wedding? Well, I mean, we're not like uh, fully involved. But a, we're not yeah. involved. Yeah. So just to so show up. Thank God. Like, we all, now yeah. all we get to do is show up, eat the food, and then yeah. criticize how bad it was. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Typical Daisy. There's, there's a Desi's big difference fashion. between being involved and just attending. Yeah. yeah. No, it was a lot of work, like, you know, planning all the dances and, and coordinating. And Saad, like, uh, his brothers, he, they, like, do this traditional skit and stuff. And like uh, there was a lot of stuff going on, but it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Lambo Congrats. involved. He finally finally impulsed on a Lambo. <laughs> finally made his Lambo dreams come Amazing. true. And this uh, vlog is now uh, out on our second channel, Pono Ronal. Check it out. Um, always an amazing editing job by Shimmer. The the I didn't, enti- I didn't edit, edit the entire thing. It was help from Frost too in some scenes. So. Yeah, but you know, so. it was a good vlog. You're the uh, you're the uh, you're the conductor the con- of, the, <laughs> of the vlog. So. Great job. Um, yeah, so uh, somebody had reached out to us. Uh, actually, it's the uh, Picord, Pacord pa- podcast. Pacord podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, he wanted to know, uh, you guys you guys should talk about the latest rendition of Baby It's Cold Outside by Lon- John Legend. Lon Legend. And how he changed <laughs> the lyrics to make it more appropriate. I found this topic very interesting. And I think it's polarizing. Um, yeah, so, th- so the holidays are coming up. Wait, I shouldn't say holidays. Christmas is coming up. There's no other holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, so yeah, this is this is something. Did you guys get a chance to listen to the um, 
the, no. the rendition? No. I didn't. Have, do I you didn't know, hear about Do you know this. the controversy about that song? No. I don't know. Did you want to explain it a little? Yeah, so Baby It's Cold Outside is like a is, a, is an old song. Um, it actually won a Grammy uh, for best song at the time. Um, and what happens in the song is like what in this Me Too era people have discovered is like it's not appropriate because uh, the the girl keeps saying no and he and the guy keeps saying but baby it's cold outside right oh, okay. and then he's like she's like what'd you put in my drink and he's like no 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 and like it's a back and forth <laughs> oh thing right so like she says say Jeez. what's in the drink and then uh the original one he says uh i don't know what he responds to that but it keeps uh going back and forth about like how she needs to she's needs to go home and he's not letting her so it's like very rapey but it's what also say. a christmas song mm-hmm. yeah like he's saying like don't go home he's giving her reasons not to go so in the times it was like cute yeah like it's always been a traditional song but like in the me too era it's like whoa this is not pc Mm -hmm. right so uh kelly clarkson and john legend like made a rendition of it which like uh in some some lyrics it's like uh kelly clarkson sings like i've got to go away and john legend responds i can call you a ride like an uber right and then uh she says what will my friends think (laughs) And then he says, I think they should rejoice. And then she says, if, if I have one more drink. And then he says, it's your body. It's your choice. <laughs> right. So he, this is. Why did what? he remake this? I don't get it. Because the original song is. Very is okay. Actually, a lot. Of, there was, there was a lot of uh, uproar it, about this. People had a problem with. Uh, the rendition or the. I, I no, get no, no, no. Oh, about okay. the, well, now there is about this. That's why he's saying it's polarizing because people are like, yo, come on. Like it was made in that time. Like it's a traditional yeah, song. Like, but people find it disturbing nowadays. So what, what do you guys the, think? That's you, what a lot of stuff was like 10 years ago, right? Everyone's pu- pulling up old things here and there. And they're like, oh, look at this, look at that. But if it's like, for instance, this song, right? There's so many other songs that you could be like, okay, like this song needs to be changed. This song needs to be changed. Especially like rap, uh, hip hop, stuff like that. Well, no, like, but this is a traditional not like a, song. So like, there's like there's like 10 songs that like go on repeat in the holidays okay season. then choose not to play and it this if is really one like... of them <laughs> <laughs> then choose not to play it be I, conscious about I it i would okay, agree we're, we're not but like these it. families they just play the same song every year and like yeah. alicia keys goes like top 50 every year like during christmas that, time right. and i think mariah carey mariah carey <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> even like you know um <laughs> like but like every celebrity has like made yeah. different versions of these songs and then so john legend and Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, I mean they're trying to make cash, so they're like, okay, what's the best way? Why like, not make a? Although new I think song. John Legend uh, and Chrissy Teigen are both very active in like yeah, yeah. the so the times, like, and they they're very progressive in that way. So yeah. I think that he also had a personal, and he makes songs like that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do right. a lot of things for cash, but he's constantly he has like a song about school shootings and police yeah, yeah. brutality, and he's active in that community. So I think there was a lot of at yeah. stake. For and him. it's like, hey, these families want to play this song, so let's make yeah. a good version of it. Yeah. Like, like I don't I see mean, anything. Would you want your Would you want to play this song in your house with just, your daughter, with your daughter there, and having this man kind of coercing you to stay there, telling you, and she's saying, no, 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 I don't want something, and he continuously pushes. This is on what her. I want. I just, this is what I wanted. I just, I, I just Amber wouldn't to. play the song. I'd be like, oh wait, this song is kind of sus or weird. I just won't play it. Like, remove it. I mean, that's perfect. Amma actually, Amma actually plays this song all the time. He likes it. <laughs> He's like, I support. There's some people <laughs> no, who, I just, who, I just who really do like the like the song, like Baby, It's Cold Outside. And there's certain right. parts of it that you can remove. 
and kind of keep the tradition alive without trying to promote the rape culturiness of it. Okay. Look, I think uh, if you look at it in this way, that as the song stands now, right, it does sound a little rapey, okay? But I think that when it comes to art, right, there's a lot of people that agree with the fact that you should take uh, art um, contextually because it's made as, um, you know, a, a way for people to express themselves and especially express themselves in the time that they're living in. And although this doesn't necessarily reflect like uh, some sort of political movement or something, it was just expressing the holidays. And I, we don't know the intent, but mm. I think from we can't really judge uh, in that way because of the time it was made. And because it's art, I think let it stand. If you don't, I kind of agree with Emma in that way, that if you don't like the song, you know, you should not listen to it and i like the fact that it's been recreated so if you, you know, do want to listen to because it, there is it. yeah because there's a lot of songs that have been recreated right like you're saying mariah carey um ariana you know, grande justin, justin bieber. bieber they all yeah. recreate songs uh, to make them more modernized and then you get to hear your favorite artist singing it so that's cool and all but i think that people take it too far sometimes in the way that like it's just like yo why this song should be taken away from history and like never played no. again and and maybe it does make I think what what your point is like would you play this in front of your daughter I think it depends on you know like how that person is going to take it again it's just like contextual like why would the daughter feel a certain way because she's hearing something that doesn't make sense to her now and then maybe you could have that conversation like hey maybe that wasn't sure. the intent with her I think it's just I about mean, talking about it's it it's the same way like when we used to listen to it when we were younger it's not like we were like oh my god this is what's going on we'd be like like jamming out to the song yeah, like, like, but it's singing. also a different uh, climate too like we kind of grew up with it being like the way that we perceive girls and how we would be able to speak to them is a lot different from when we were growing up to what it is now so so a daughter hearing something like I ought to say no 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 sir and the guy replies mind if I move closer like Okay, I mean, if I you're see looking what you're at, saying. But, I know the song. But, I know the song. But like, it is. kids, kids are not gonna be like, oh, what are they saying? They listen to jingle. They listen to stuff like, like they don't. It's just like I, promoting just saying, this level of like promiscuousness that is blurring the line between just being like sexy and like it, a guy pushing right. himself a little too hard. I, I think there's a little blurred line right there I get with that. the song. Yeah, I get that, but that's why it's okay. He remade it, or they remade it. Okay, fine. Play the remade song, but don't be like cancel this song like this song no way like that's what i don't like like but, but leave like, the song but the, but, but i it, think it's what you said i think it's okay to not play it at all if you don't want to play it and if right. you do want to play it there's a version for yeah you. there's a clean there you go and in older times like what what these people are what the men are doing is like almost considered like that's how gentlemen behave were. that's what they were taught a little right? bit more pushy and that's and that's like you have to kind of play that way and the girl is gonna play a Shy. certain way uh back and and like you know in the times where there's like people will say nowadays like oh chivalry is dead there's people that find chivalry offensive too like you know you you open a door for a lady and it's just like some sometimes they're like hey don't do that for me like what do i look like I can somebody said that myself. to you before not to me but i've heard it's it happened. many times before yeah. yeah and things like that like oh don't open the door for me i can do it for myself like i'm an independent person whatever but like that person's upbringing might be Oh, I thought I was supposed to do this because it's shown as respecting, you know, the women or whatever, and it's it's me being a gentleman or whatever. So it, it all depends on like how you take it, but I think you should consider the time and the context of any situation. You can't just 
put this blanket over everything in the world and just say like, okay, this is politically incorrect and this is politically correct because of what I'm experiencing or what the society is experiencing right now. Is that yeah. is that fair to say? Mm -hmm. And again, like you can explain it to somebody who maybe doesn't get it because yeah. you know better. I for sure think that I, I think that in this situation, John Legend maybe possibly as a father thought of it because like he has a what three year old daughter. Yeah, they have to get to a certain age and maturity to understand that and i don't think that listening to this song is going to make them go and be coerced by some man i'm not trying to insinuate that mm -hmm. at all right. i just think that but there are you people are... that think that that's why sure. it's like sure yeah but i do think that what you're around starts to influence how you believe and maybe slowly from society we're taking away factors that would lead women to believe that it's their role to play into a man coercing which again might have been more so appropriate in a time that was previous to now hmm Okay. Well, thank you for sending in that question. I think it was a interesting thing to talk about. Um, let's let's do one more thing because we we want to get to the guest. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's always like PC stuff, but screw it. That's what the time is now. So uh, all right, there's this thing I saw on Twitter, um, and and a lot of people had a lot of different things to say about it. But uh, this is what it says. I'll just read it as is. Um, it's a picture of this couple, and um, it says Keith and Tamika recently married. Tamika is a neurosurgeon and earns $400,000 a year. Keith is a manager at Finish Line and earns $44,000 a year. My man. After the wedding that she paid for, Keith moves into Tamika's house. She buys him a new Lexus to replace his old Honda Accord and even pays for a two-week honeymoon to Jamaica. Keith loves Tamika with all his heart and vice versa, and they are happy together. But all Tamika's family slash friends say she is stupid. Since Keith is the man, is there a problem with their financial arrangement? If they're in love, does the money difference make them unequally yoked? I don't know what that is. What? Yeah. Um, ladies, if you were Tamika or gentlemen, if you were Keith, could you play that role? All right, people, just go. What do you think? I don't think there's a problem if they genuinely love each other. Mm -hmm. If there's like evidence, like he's like, oh, like I found out she has this much money, what's she doing, blah blah blah, and then he's like, oh, let me marry yeah. her. It's depends. Then it's an issue. It depends when they started. Yeah. If you, would like, you guys would you guys be cool with it if you were the husband in that situation? I think I've said my opinion like ten times on this podcast already. You want to be uh, Keith? <laughs> you desperately? No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. No, no. He, I, he would be okay. I'd be okay. I with would it. wanna. I would wanna. I think it'd be okay if uh, it's like an arrangement where. She's not paying for everything. It's like I can at least support her and the family, or like a future family. Okay, so you're way. cool with her making more. You just yeah. want to be able to to be. The I want to contribute as pays well. the bills and all that. Yeah, like I want to contribute. Equally. Oh, contribute equally. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, okay. I'll like take care of the kids and like do the housework and stuff. Yeah, yeah house, I mean, you want to be a house dad. Equally, that's like fine. I'll do that. No, as long as I can, you know, like make. You want to like make vlogs, make vlogs at home with my kids while she's stuff. like doing. Like, like making regular so much work. money. No, 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 like okay. it doesn't matter. If she's making more money or whatever, or it might vice versa. You know, it's cool. Amber, but. I think the question here is, you know, posed as a financial question, and the way that it was stated was that she paid for the wedding, she replaced his car. I don't think that enough information was given from Keith's perspective about how he was treating her and what she gained from him in a way that she might not have gained otherwise so like he bought her a car but he, uh, she bought him a car but like he also was super respectful of her loved her whatever maybe did something for her that nobody else had and i think that wait where are you getting that information i'm yeah. saying that 
this is a financial question and that's why i'm having a harder time answering it because it's not a question about their relationship it just says ladies if you were financial this is if their financial arrangement makes sense and to me i think that when you make money and it goes into the same pool Mm -hmm. that is their money i think that it for her if we're going to focus on the financial aspect of this i think that she can continue doing her thing and he he can do his and she can assist him with her connections and whatever else to get him elevated and making maybe more money or whatever it is but i think finances are something that go into a pool that they can then Amber just says like if you were her would you (laughs) be okay with making more money and paying for his stuff yes or no is he loving me Amber, just yes. answer the question. Yes, yes, yes. Like, yeah, like, he loves her. Like, it's, and, and and he's he great. loves her. Yeah, love Look then, at their picture. Yeah, like, then yeah. Yeah. Yo, yeah. I think the craziest thing is he's still working at Finish Line. Like, while she's mm-hmm. making $400,000 a year. So that shows yeah. that he's, like, like he's putting in effort. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not, like, I'm the freeload. Oh, you think he to. shouldn't be? I mean, oh, like, He's bringing in, like, one of The fact that he is, is, like, kind of, like, cute. Like, he doesn't have to. But he's, like... I don't think it's cute. I think it's not smart, like... If he has a like, real ambition or something, he'd be like, hey, it's Mika, like, pay for my college, maybe? And then maybe pay for <laughs> I, me I, to, like, I, also be... I fully believe in that. But, like, from the outside perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're like, oh, he's freeloading off of her. He's not doing that. Yeah, I don't think so. He's not freeloading You're saying, like, he's still getting an income? He's still getting an income. Like, he okay. can still survive on his and own. And said he wanted a uh, car upgrade. Maybe that's just something that she wanted to do for Amber. him. You can't. You can't just. <laughs> you're the one saying nah, that. I think like, it's posed as a financial question. Then you make up all these scenarios. No, yeah, I'm like, saying that the reason why I'm having a hard time answering it is because I don't feel like I should speak on somebody's financials. All right. Listen, <laughs> I think if you get married and you're like, you and Verizon get married, right? And, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I make 44, and you're out here. Listen modeling. to the last podcast to get that inside joke. Yeah. You're you're modeling. You're making like 400k a year. Mm-hmm. Would you be okay with that? That was the question. Amber, right? I mean, Amber, I you're going over something we just talked about. Like, I, <laughs> she always repeats it. the question. I just, you know, she I did. just, yeah. She I, said, I, yeah. I don't think okay it. I don't it. think it would be a problem. Okay, so then. As long as he's supportive, loves like all the things that I need fulfilled. Right. People. As a person. <clears throat> I always say this: communication. If the if the couple is okay, uh, equally, both of them are fine with the situation. Then nothing else outside of that matters. If they are comfortable with it and they love each other, boom. That's wow. literally what I That's said. It. I don't feel comfortable speaking on their financials. That's, That's literally an... what I said. That's not what he said. Yeah, he's saying that <laughs> as long as they are fine with it, then nobody else has the right to say anything. I was asking it. you though. Yeah, like if you were put in that situation, that was. A question. I was asking you. Yeah, when it was. And you were like, if they. <laughs> when it was close to me, it's different because now you're asking me in my personal life. Right. What if it's your boy and you think it's he's like getting played? Or if something? it's my boy, I'm making fun of him the whole time. <laughs> no. If this happens to you, it's the end of you. No, no, okay, reverse, like a, you what, know. What do you mean? Like, like my man's is making 400k yeah. and I'm making 40k. And then like, you're I'm like, quitting my oh, job. No, no, I love you, honey. No, no, your your, <laughs> um, like your friend is like he has a significant other mm-hmm. and m- might gold dig him, you know, like if your friend is the one gold digging. No, no. Or getting, getting gold, gold digged. digged. On. Oh. Get gold digged. Oh. Yeah, I <laughs> like, think I think you look at it this way. If that per- like my man's working at finish line, right? So we don't know anything else about him, his ambitions, his career goals, yeah. right? But he's probably so, hustling. Let's don't say probably. I'm done with you assuming <laughs> everything about this couple. Okay. Listen. I'm the one who didn't want to say anything about the couple. Listen, 
if if it's your boy, right? Yeah. And he, you feel like he's being that. You have to look at his girl and be like, okay, is she actually is she working at like Hooters or something? And just being <laughs> like, okay, I can have whatever I want, and then I also get to like, you know, work at this place or whatever. Or is she like, is she studying and she's like actually trying to make something of herself and she has real ambitions? Then I don't think it's a gold dig because she is trying to get somewhere. But then again, maybe like she's using him to, to get, get to, to that the... spot. It's it's a tough one, dude. You have to look at. Um, but if it, and if I think it, that's what this question but is. But if they like trying to put us in that position. But if she gold digs and gets no, no, no I don't like think that's a level. If you were to you would be you wouldn't be okay with that. Would you play that role? Like if they genuinely like each other, but she's still kind Could of gold digging to like get a degree, get a master's, PhD, do whatever, and she's still like financially more stable afterwards. You would be not okay. Like with like that. if I think about it, like if that happened to me, where like somebody thinks or or I think that somebody's in love with me, and the whole time they're just using my money to like further elevate themselves and but, then it's like hey i actually didn't like you but okay thank you for the money right okay okay and i'd be gotcha. like dang like let me oh get a, i was saying if they still like let you me get some stocks that. or something in there like <laughs> i invested but yeah i mean let me get some stocks communication <laughs> communication okay um cool thank you guys for weighing in on that um i think let's introduce the guest uh because today's guest is extremely special um there is a lot of uh, stuff going on with the impeachment of Donald Trump right now, so it was a perfect time to bring him in. Um, our our guest is Peter, who is a lawyer. He's an ordained minister, and he is constantly advocating to uh, the inquiry of impeachment for Donald Trump. Um, and he has some extremely interesting stories. We were going on and on with him even after the podcast about some of those stories, but. Um, we're really excited for you guys to uh, listen to his lifestyle and, and all the things that he's went through and, and, and his work. So uh, stick around for the end of the podcast because it gets very interesting. Um, so without further ado, here is Peter. I've been vibing in the city and you won't say, won't say. Looking very pretty but you won't play, won't play. Rest in peace to fans because they can't stay, can't stay. She is my Beyonce, that is Beyonce. I've been vibing in the city. What's up, Peter? Hey, how's what else going, going on? on? So you just came from the mosque, actually. I did just come from the mosque. You came from um, what's called a Juma prayer, um, the Friday prayer. So I, I hope you know the mosque that you went to is the same mosque that Obama went to. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. That's pretty cool. He no, visited, he didn't. He, he didn't like there. go there he for there. that. He visited. Yeah. 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 It sounded like he like prayed there. And no, stuff. no, no. He he visited there and like spoke there. That was the only mosque he spoke at. Well, it was really nice. They're working on their school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't. He knows about the fundraiser process and all that. There oh, yeah. you go. I, I I got there a little bit late. Um, I got a, a good ten minute lecture, uh, or ten minutes of the lecture, and then they went into a, a fifteen minute asking everybody for twenty bucks, and then five minutes <laughs> of prayer, and then it was done. It's okay. Some people don't even make it for any of the lecture. So good yeah. job. Well, the, the the lecture the lecture was really nice. There you go. Was it uh, weird at all? Or going into like a new experience like that, um, or have you been? No, I've, I, but it's been a few years okay. uh, since I've been to a mosque, so so that was definitely a nice. Okay. Did um, you did you notice anything about the diversity there specifically? I noticed that I was most definitely the only guy there with long blonde hair. Okay, okay, <laughs> but definitely not the only white person there. No, 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 no. Oh, it was very diverse. Yeah, that's the Baltimore one. So you have a little bit more diversity from everyone. Um, so the reason we had you come out here on the podcast today is because, frankly, you're a weird dude. 
I can agree with that. <laughs> but a very interesting person, and I think that you have a lot of perspective to offer because of everything that sort of you've gone through in life, and and um, you know that you've uh, put yourself into. Um, so let's just kind of start at the beginning. Who are you, and and um, you know what do you do? Uh, well, I was born in Washington, D.C. Uh, my father was from England, so I'm the son of an immigrant. Uh, my mother's side of the family has been here in the Americas for since before the Revolutionary War. Um, grew up uh, in the, the uh, Bethesda area. Went to public school. From there, went on to, to Boston College, and from there, Catholic law school. Um, became an attorney, and that's what I'm doing right now. Very concise. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Um, so growing up, like, uh, what was the financial situation of your family? Were you kind of more uh, middle class? Were you upper middle class? Were you well off? Like, I'd say we're um, upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything is a matter of perspective. Um, I lived a, a relatively um, comfortable life uh, up until about three, four, that's five the, years That's ago. the word. When anybody that says I lived a comfortable life, that's the word for rich. Rich. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a very easy life, I'll put it that way. And then about yeah. five years ago, I tried to launch a little .com. Um, it blew up and uh, lost everything and I'm and, and starting from scratch. So wow. okay. that's so, where I am right now. What was the .com, if you don't mind asking? Uh, well, it was a little company called the American Awards. Um, and the idea was that you'd be able to nominate people for Mother of the Year, Father of the Year, Brother of the Year, Sister of the Year, write a little story, make a little video, put it up on our site. People would uh, rate the videos, and we'd pick winners each year. Um, and uh, we built, I guess, three different prototype versions of the site um launched and on the day we launched we signed a contract with uh, a development company to create a the next version the next iteration of the site um and uh they insisted that we take down our current one because they'd have it done within a month um and over the course of the next two three four five months very little got done um and it turned out that they basically just uh took my money and ran with it um so i've been and that's something that you invested like a that's that's something time. that I invested everything in. Got it. Um, and so did you kind of have that freedom growing up? Like, I'm just the first thing, person that like comes to mind is like Donald Trump when it's like, you know, he was he had uh, money in his family and he was kind of able to like throw it around here and there and then eventually something stuck. So like, is that something that you had throughout your life or is this your own? To to money? a certain degree. I mean, n- nowhere in the. The same vicinity as Donald right, yeah, Trump. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I had, um, had a little bit of a trust fund growing up. Um, it wasn't big, but it was enough that I could theoretically get my little business off the ground. And when that didn't work out, nah, nothing. Yeah. So I mean, we mentioned the the blonde hair. You got nice, pretty eyes. Uh, you know, born into a a fairly comfortable, we'll say, uh, family. So. Um, we'll, we'll dive into like some of the um, things that you've uh, experienced throughout your life, but mostly it's, it's interesting that like someone with, that, with those characteristics is as open-minded um, as you when you could be like, you know, just living, continuing to live that sort of comfortable um, life and like in a privileged, in a privileged way, right? Um, so, uh, you know, you've went through um, 
You were trying to be a a minister. Are you re- a registered minister right now? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister. Um, I almost dropped out of college to go to seminary school. Mm-hmm. Um, so the you fam- have a big, like a big religious background. Well, yes and no. I, I grew up in a household where my mother uh, was a devout is a devout atheist. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was Church of England, which is like Christianity light. Um, and so we'd go to church on you know Christmas Eve, maybe maybe Easter. Um, and that was about it. And that's the only exposure that I had. And then when I went off to college, um, I went to Boston College, which is a Jesuit school, um, and was required to take a course in theology. And so I signed up for a year-long course. Um, and over the course of that year, I absolutely fell in love with the idea of God. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know whether God existed or not. Um, I didn't know whether God was real or not. But I knew that I really liked this idea of a divine entity. Um, and at the time, specifically, the, the Christian or Catholic idea of God, um, the New Testament idea of God, which was kind and forgiving um, and, and good. Um, and uh, Do you still stand with that belief? I, I'd say that I've kind of adopted an a la carte approach to spirituality and faith. Um, I haven't. One of the reasons that I didn't end up dropping out and going to seminary school was because I kept on being torn between different uh, different branches. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to become a Catholic or a Protestant or if I wanted to go the Jewish route. I, I wasn't able to pick a religion. I just knew that... that um, you like the idea of spirituality. I like the idea of spirituality and God, and I, I wanted that to be part of my life. But going to uh, college, to a, a Catholic university, during the height of the scandals that went down in Boston uh, back when I was in college, um, it was it was pretty tough to reconcile your faith and your idea of God with an institution where you know they're kind of covering up pedophilia and sliding, uh, sliding priests around from one parish to another so you don't, um, don't really have to admit to, to what you've done wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I had a lot of trouble reconciling uh, the institution and what the institution preached. Um, and also, like, you kind of live this hippie lifestyle almost. You love the <laughs> Burning Man stuff, and, you know, you're really into that uh, type of a lifestyle. And I feel like that's not common to be religious and into that. Is that true or? Um, I would say it is true. I actually asked on Facebook the other day if any of my friends were Mormon, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't get a single reply to that. <laughs> um, and within the within the Burning Man community, I do know people that um, that are religion uh, or that are religious. Um, I have one friend in particular who's Christian. He's very proud of it. Um, for me, uh, the Burning Man culture provided a, a venue in which I could explore spirituality and connection with other people, but it wasn't necessarily about sitting down and going through books and prayer and whatnot. Um, it was more about the human connection. What is the, the I guess, the sh- short answer of like practicing a Burning Man like going to a Burning Man. Like what happens yeah. there? Yeah. What's the What's the connection that you're talking about? Well, the the, the connection is when you go to a uh, to Burning Man or to a Burning Man event, um, all the people in that community uh, try to live their lives in a, 
in alignment with these 10 principles, things like radical acceptance, radical self-expression, um, gifting. Uh, so when you, get, when you go to a burn, which is one of these, you, I, I, we'll call it a festival for, sure. for argument's sake, um, you'll find that it doesn't matter who you are, what background you come from, what race you are, what gender you are, you're going to be accepted and loved by everybody there. And is that true? Do you see all types of people there? Oh yeah, you see, yeah. Uh, it's it's it can be. Um, it's not the most diverse community. I will say that, but um, it doesn't matter what background you come from. You are going to be welcome there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's not diverse? Just people that. Uh, the 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 Burning Man uh, culture came out of California, the San Francisco area. It was kind of a merging of. The hippie culture and the San Jose Silicon Valley culture, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's uh, a predominantly, I want to say a pre predominantly white community. Mm -hmm. But that said, they're they're actively trying to make it a more diverse community too, mm -hmm. um, bring in new perspectives, um, new ways of seeing the world. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was just like a Coachella type thing. Yeah. That's what I, I thought it was at first, but then I actually um, I saw some pictures from it and stuff. There's a lot of people walking around just like fully naked and like there's a... It, it is a place... The thing that I found really fascinating about the, the Burning Man culture, and I realized this within about 15 minutes of arriving at my first burn, um, was that it's a place where freedom exists to an extent that it doesn't exist elsewhere um, in America. Uh, and so... You know, you you can walk around naked and nobody's going to stop you. Mm -hmm. um, you can create art that's incredibly controversial, um, and with very rare exception, um, it will be accepted and people will will take an interest in it. Um, I'll tell you, that's why there's not like brown people there. If if anybody's parents or friends or community saw that this person was at this uh, event and there's mm -hmm. like naked people walking around, they'd be like what you are doing there why are you... <laughs> yeah I, I will say the the very first burn that i went to um i was just sitting down and all of a sudden this beautiful naked girl walked by right in front of me and i had this moment where i i, I watched that happen and i just kind of looked around because nobody when i went Flinched. to my first burn nobody had explained to me what it was my friend was just uh. like hey you're coming with me to this thing this weekend just hop in the car we get there and uh once i got there uh, you know, I, I saw that and I'm sitting there thinking, where am I? And then all of a sudden, somebody goes by on their bicycle, but the bicycle is going backwards. The guy's wearing a top hat. And as he goes by, he tips his top hat to me. <laughs> and I look at this and I think, what is this? And I just kind of, it, it was almost like the universe gave me an answer and just went, freedom. Wow. wow. This sounds like uh, what my parents might describe as like hell on earth or something. Like, <laughs> like it's burning hot. It's people walking around, quote unquote, sinning. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fire all over the place. And uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> what a comparison. I'm just saying, it sounds like like people if I were if I were thinking to my parents, my mom would be like, oh, well, she would say like, oh. Frost actually hold, makes an interesting point, which is. I've had moments where I'm I'm walking around Black Rock City, um, and I just see fire in every direction, and it scares the bejesus out of me. Mm -hmm. um, and and I have had that thought, you know, this is this is weird. Um, it's a sign. <laughs> and, and, well, yeah, but at the same time, I've also had moments that are 
uh, almost indistinguishable from heavenly experiences. And so you get the full spectrum. Mm. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons that I think it's played so much into my, my own kind of spiritual journey is that you have gotten that's called, to see... That's called devil's temptation. I'm just Ooh. kidding. I'm just, kidding. <laughs> I'm just For the sake of uh, playing devil's advocate, mm. you see that? See yeah. Right there? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's... Uh, it's I think um, why I asked that was because from a religious perspective, it seems like uh, it's hard to wrap your head around what you're seeing is like, you know, like art, for example, right? Some people might see something as beautiful mm-hmm. and some people might be like, you shouldn't be looking at that. That I mean, that does happen. There was um, there was a, a, a regional burn that I went to a couple of years ago and there was uh, he would refer to himself as an artist. Who thought it would be a great idea to bring a um, upside down burning cross um, mm. fueled by Jeez. gas so, so that it would just you know go all day all night yeah um, and I, I never actually saw that piece of art myself um, and I'm not I'm not technically uh, a member of uh, you know a specific denomination where you know this would be offensive to me for religious reasons or, or um, uh, racial reasons the 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 thing that actually did bug me is that my name is peter Mm -hmm. um and saint peter was theoretically burned on an upside down cross Mm. um and so to me to hear that that even took place at one of our events was very very upsetting to me Mm. um and we also have members of the community who are african-american and it was very upsetting to them because it, it is a very racially charged symbol of hatred um and uh when i've gone to burns the thing that i found so beautiful about that experience is is how much love and acceptance and kindness you find there Mm -hmm. so to see um a camp pop up that was populated by people from the alt-right uh, who thought that this was a good or funny or cool idea mm-hmm. um, was really disturbing. And I think from their perspective, what they were trying to do was put something out there that was so controversial that this community, which believes in radical acceptance and radical self-expression, mm-hmm. would be put in a place where they would have to respond one way or the other. Yeah. Um, well, when you say something like, you know, that we have all types of arts that can be controversial and all that, the first thing that I think of is like, what's the limit? And what you're describing is like, yeah. okay, not everything is for everybody. And like, there's there's groups there that are going to find some sort of offense and things like that. And maybe, because I don't know as much about this, that's why we're asking you and throwing this out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm speaking out of ignorance in some ways, mm-hmm. but it's like uh, that type of environment, you have to be also like ready to... Uh, accept or whatever uh, in that sense that, that and would go against your moral belief yeah. or compass yeah because if it's it's made out to sound so euphoric like this this burning man experience is supposed to be this euphoric experience where and it usually is oh i'm sorry no i'm not you sure yeah so the okay, it's supposed good. to be so euphoric and then you have a situation where you know there are these things happening is there like a committee or anybody that can come back and speak upon this and yeah, yes. where would those rules derive from um we do we do self-organize the whole community does have um uh, a leaders a leadership hierarchy um and when something like this happens 
Uh, we you know, you people file complaint forms if they're legitimately upset about something, and then a committee will meet and they'll talk. And if it's serious, serious enough, then it's it's sent out to people out in California, and they discuss it and try to figure out, you know, where is the outer limit of free speech? Who's, where, who's in California? This sounds like the Hunger Games. <laughs> this committee in California. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, the headquarters for the Burning Man organization um, mm -hmm. is kind of in the San Francisco area, I believe, um, somewhere near there. Um, and and that, that's the only time that I've really seen something at a regional burn that was so controversial that um, it did become a... Uh, a big issue within the community. I mean, 90, 99% of what you're going to see at a burn um, is art that is inspiring and, and inspires feelings of hope and love and forgiveness and being able to let go. Mm. Um, it, going to these events can be a very cathartic experience. Um, Do you ever take anything there to burn? Uh, I haven't taken any of my own art to burn, per se. Like ex-girlfriend um, pictures or... <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we do. What we do is we build temples, um, and in these temples, people leave notes to recently de deceased family members. Oh, okay. Or when I when I'm at a Burning Man and they have the, um, we build a really big temple out there. I'll walk through that, and you'll see letters that people have left to, you know, the girlfriend that just left them or the father that just passed away. And walking through the temple and reading all these messages can be a very a very spiritual experience unto itself um, and then you have a moment where you're reading uh, a letter that a guy has written to his recently deceased dog so and that's the one that like hits you emotionally <laughs> and you burst into tears just talking about you know reading this story about a guy and how he would cuddle his his puppy and his puppy passed away and and you just lose it um, Wow. I'm not gonna. That would make me laugh a little bit. It's well. Here's the thing. I mean, you, you, people leave all sorts of different things there. Um, you know, I've taken multiple letters for friends out to Nevada to the desert to put them in the temple, um, and it, it's usually had to do with someone passing or getting over uh, a very traumatic experience, such as I had a friend who was uh, raped and almost murdered. Um, and I've taken taken a couple letters out there for her to help facilitate the process of her letting go of that experience. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, you put the the letter in the temple, we burn the temple down, and it all goes up in smoke. And you've let go of whatever that thing was. Yeah, that's a cool concept. I mean, like you yeah. burn it, you let it go. And there's there's things like that when you have uh, those candle. What's it called? Like the like the paper bag things and. You light it and then oh the lanterns, lanterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah the people do that when like people die right yeah or yeah, yeah so. start something new as well yeah yeah so i mean yeah i mean that's a cool sort of concept do other people get to read these letters yeah it's it's well i mean here's the thing you if you want to keep it private you'd put your letter in an envelope and and stick it somewhere in the temple and no one would read it um but a lot of people uh like to you know write something on a piece of poster board or uh, a piece of paper and you post it where everyone can read it um, because this gives people the the opportunity to walk around and understand all the different psychological experiences that the rest of us are having to deal with loss love you know the highs the lows all of it what is these temples made out of 
The, they're usually made out of wood um, since they're, they're burned. Are you asking because of environmental issues or something? No, no, no she wants no. to make I'm one. I'm just genuinely <laughs> curious on how, 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 a temple, how you would make a temple. People can go in it and then you can burn this. Like, it's not like a, thing. it's not like a legit, like. I know it's not a, constr- like, constr- <laughs> like, they didn't like Bathrooms. build a building. There's no like architecture yeah, yeah. that really goes into it, but I'm curious. It's like, you know, Jenga. I'm serious. You know, Jenga. Oh, yeah. It's like that. It looks it, like that. It, it's, it's basically um, recycled wood um, from, you know, construction projects or things like that. Um, they take the wood, they build a, a, a little makeshift temple out of it. Um, and it, if you look up close, yeah, you see two by fours. Like how big and it is looks, it? Well, the one out of Burning Man might be 30, 40, 50 feet high. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, they, they build big things. And at regional burns, you might have one that's, and you know, 10 or... Yeah, they burn it. Um, and when, What's when, in the middle of this desert, you, there's like even the the burning the actual man is like even bigger than that, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the the man is much bigger, and the man is burned on the last Saturday of the Burning Man event, um, and that's a party when the the man is burning, music is going, people are celebrating, everybody's having a really fun time, and then the next day they burn the temple, and when they burn the temple, that's a very different experience. Everybody is silent. There, all you hear is just the, the, the burning, the crackling of the wood. Um, and then someone may spontaneously just break out into operetta song or scream out something like, I love you. And then other people will echo it all, <laughs> through, all around. And then it goes back to complete silence and it becomes a very contemplative event. It sounds like Midsommar, like that yeah. movie. Yeah. There's, there's a movie that sounds like, no, but um, you know, I, I feel like you either have to be in it or you don't get it at all. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably what it is. Because I, I feel like right now, I mean, um, you know, I think people would get mad at us because it seems like we're almost kind of like making fun of it in a way. But like I, like me personally, thinking about being there, I wouldn't be able to like uh, take it as seriously because I can't relate to a lot of that, I guess. But well, I mentioned it being a euphor- euphoric place, but I can see people going here and seeing it as a very dysphoric place, like, like. Oh, like mean, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people to be there. It would take a, a lot of open mindedness. No way. But, I feel like everyone there is yeah. very comfortable. No, but imagine somebody who someone like, that's taken not, there. That's what I'm saying. Like for somebody who is not used to that environment to be around things just burning. Like there's like um, naked people. There's like orgy drugs. tents, right? The, there is something called the orgy dome. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. So Frost, you know a lot about this. That there. <laughs> yeah, I, I talked about it before. <laughs> Um, there, you, you can have all sorts of experiences out there, but it, it, it is not it is not just a a place of, of sin and debauchery. Yeah, um, right. It, that's it, what I'm saying. It's, yeah, for for seems... for me, um, that's what I'm saying. Some people wouldn't be able to get past that. Right. No, to and, see what you're right. talking about. Exactly. And I have, I have a friend. He's um, kind of on the conservative side. When he found his way into the Bernie Man community, he was super uncomfortable with, mm-hmm. with what he found there. You know, this was a guy who. He, he had trouble hugging other people. Wow. Um, so to, less, to a lot less than you know an orgy tent. Oh no, but that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but for, over the course of a couple of years, um, he became more comfortable. He kind of let down his guard a little bit. He opened his mind a little bit, um, and got to a place where where he is much more comfortable with human connection. Um, I, c- I can pretty much say with certainty, I don't think you'll be seeing him at the orgy tent or the, the orgy dome. <laughs> oh, I thought that's where the story was going. No, 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 no. Yeah. I thought that's what you meant by human later. connection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying the guy can hug people now. And that, that for, for, 
for you know being a human being um inherently can sometimes be a very uh lonely and cold existence and so if you're able to go through some sort of transformation no matter how small and be able to find a way of connecting with other human beings mm -hmm. um that can be that can just be a really transformative experience yeah, i'm sure is it um i've heard that uh amongst your friends some of them consider you almost like a god is that true Whoa. <laughs> um, there, I've had some moments. Um, I, I did have one friend who, who actually asked me permission if he could um, basically picture me at the moment of his death, um, which was a very Whoa. nice compliment. Like Wait, when what? he asked me that, I was a little, I, you know, that that's that's probably the biggest compliment that that i think wait i need an explanation I know the title of this what podcast. does that mean well some people when you're when you're on your deathbed uh -huh. and at that moment you might imagine jesus or buddha and he asked if he could think of me in that moment which, that's bro that's what? That, yeah he considers you a god then right? so well i it's it's <clears throat> um that that was a very complimentary experience and he and i actually each year we go down the potomac river and we we kind of do ourselves a little start of the year baptism um dipping into the the ice cold waters together you dip um, each other like no 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 i mean oh. we we both we we, we both a jump polar in punch, right yeah we do a polar punch okay. but, but, <laughs> you made it sound a lot more spiritual than that well for us it, it is a very okay. spiritual experience you yeah. you climb into the cold water you dip your head under um and when you come up you're you're starting fresh you're starting clean um and uh, but hypothermia yeah. Yes, um, it's it's. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh, when there are chunks of ice coming down the Potomac River, yeah, I'm not kidding. It's no, it, it can get super cold. Why why do you think that um that is? Is it because you give off this like energy of like positive? I mean, you are a very positive, yeah. uh, energetic person. So is it is it that that's what it is about the? Um, I don't know. I just I I try to be a, a very loving, kind person. Mm -hmm. Um and. You know, there's some people that that connect to that, um, and you know, there there are other people that they've they've met me, they've talked to me, they watch the other way that uh, other people might interact with me, and you know, they they call me out. They say, you know, you're you're completely full of shit. You're trying to you know be this mm. be this person or be this thing, and I, I'm just generally not trying to do anything other than just be a nice person. Um, yeah. But for for some people that can be a you know meeting someone that just accepts you and listens to you um can be a really big experience well that's the same sort of traits that um a lot of people in the past who have been huge leaders of their communities have gotten the same thing where like oh no you're like this is all a front you're only doing this for power and this and that i mean when i think of people like muhammad ali or you know mahatma gandhi and like the list goes on but like all these people even you know jesus and and the prophet peace be upon him like anybody that you can think of in history they all got that sort of same thing yeah and it seems like that's what you're experiencing and maybe that's what your friends think of like okay yeah this is definitely like the messiah or something. I, <laughs> this, this I, is the guy I, I i think what it comes down to is all those all those people that you mentioned they're all aspiring towards the same thing they've all had experiences that that give them faith that that teach them um you know to 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 be a good person and want to be a good person and and to be helpful and a meaningful part of their community um i don't think you know they're, they're always you know they're the pastors of the mega churches out there that that have private jets and and are profiting off spirituality but um generally speaking i think when it comes to religion it doesn't really matter what religion you're looking at 
um, or whether you're not even looking at religion at all, you're just looking at spirituality. If you are aspiring towards being um, someone that is, is good and true and noble and right, um, people, people will see that for what it is. So how good are you at recognizing other people, especially people that are leading other, you know, uh, groups of people, different communities, even cults? How good are you at recognizing their BS or do you do that? I try. I try not to judge anyone else in terms of in terms of that. But sort you never of thing. are like. Mm, I feel like this is a scary cult or something. Like when you're cult talking leader. about the people with the private jets and all that, right? Yeah. Like, you know that something's up. I, I I know that something's up if you've got a TV show and you're trying to con elderly people into giving you their retirement savings mm -hmm. so that you can live a life of unnecessary luxury. Like Doctor Oz or. Um, you know what? Ellen? I actually I, I don't know anything about Doctor Oz. Oh, <laughs> I mean daytime television people like they're it's just retired people that are watching them and me. <laughs> I, work from home. Um, I mean the the uh, I I don't want to I don't want to go into to judging um, anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. Sp specifically, um, but it seems like the the Burning Man like having kindness and all that it, it plays a I feel like it plays a big role in you like to be very kind and very accepting of other people around you do you ever find that it is harmful to you to be overly accepting and sometimes people can Take screw advantage. you over yeah um, I mean that 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 does happen um, and. I just kind of accept that it, it's part of life. There was a situation that I, I was involved in about six months ago. Um, I don't want to get into the details of, of what it was to protect the, the privacy of the people involved. But in that moment, uh, I saw a situation. I knew I needed to do something. I, I analyzed the situation. You know, what would I do as a friend in this situation? What should I do as a friend who happens to be an attorney in this situation? Um, I went through this entire ethical uh, calculation in my mind did what I thought was the right thing and then I forgot all about it and this is one of those situations where uh, was it like a mental burn of it like you like put it all together and then like lit it on fire and let it go like, no, no, in no, your no, mind? no 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 this, this was actually more um, I, I'll put it into the category of my life as a lawyer okay um, where when it when these people found out what I did even though I did that thing to help them, to protect them in good faith, because that's what a friend would do, and that's what you know. If if I was their attorney, that I would have done exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but the way you look at a situation as an attorney can be very different from how you look at a situation from a non-lawyer's perspective. Um, and from their perspective, I had very much violated their privacy. Um, and from my perspective, I had tried to protect their privacy and then forgotten all about it. Um, so morality, ethics, all that, it, it can be a very complicated equation. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Like, um, you know, what interested you in law, especially having the sort of perspective that you do? Because sometimes it's like you got to you got to work for people that you might not necessarily yeah, believe. Is that true? Uh, the, the type of law that I've practiced um, that that can be true. Um, and as a lawyer, uh, one of the things that we're taught to, to understand is that everybody's entitled to a legal defense. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. There needs to be people in the world, lawyers, who will argue on your behalf, who can, who can have your back. And um, we still have to operate within the realm of that which is true. Um, but that said, uh, 
for for me, I'm I'm fortunate in that I haven't had to be the nasty sort of lawyer. Okay. Um, but that said, when I began my legal career, I started as an immigration attorney. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I very quickly realized is I had clients that were coming to me. And uh, if you were a wealthy client um, and you could afford to have me on board to take care of your problems, you know, whatever those problems are, great. But if you came from a less comfortable, financially comfortable background, um, you might come to me and, you know, I can tell you what my prices are and I can tell you what the, the fees are related to an immigration process. And then lo and behold, you get rejected because everybody gets rejected or I shouldn't say that, but the numbers are not always in your favor. And the wealthier you are, the the easier it can be to, to stick with the legal process until you get where you want to be. Um, and I, I, I was very uncomfortable taking money from people when I knew that chances are I wasn't going to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, that was... That was almost a decade ago um, oh, wow. when I was practicing immigration law. And unfortunately, right now, the situation has gotten much, much worse. Yeah. Um, so I definitely could not go back into that because I just I'd feel guilty about taking people's money for processes that I knew probably would not ultimately work out to their advantage. Well, so if you had to represent someone that like you don't necessarily, um, you know, agree with or something or your moral compass as the like. Uh, I don't know about this. Would you take it or? I have to say, mm-hmm. I have to say yes to that because at the moment I I work um, for corporations, yeah. and the work that I do for those corporations is is going through papers, looking for for evidence of wrongdoing. Sometimes to you know protect a corporation, and sometimes to um, I don't want to say to help them get away with something because I might not be proactively helping helping them to get away with something, um, but you know if I if I'm looking for a particular piece of evidence and I you know pass it up the chain, um, I, I know that I'm not necessarily I, I'm doing my job properly, but I'm not necessarily helping people in the positive way that I, I would like to as an attorney. Um, but you know, you've, you've got to pay your bills and, and that's why a lot of people go into corporate law. Yeah, so um, I think uh, the, the one of the most important things that like I wanna to transition to next and why I had you come on at this time was the the impeachment process of Donald Trump is kind of like in full effect. And um, you've got your impeach this, yeah, Trump impeach. sweatshirt on. Yeah. Um, so. Where did you sort of, uh, you know, get into uh, proactively protesting what this president has been doing? Uh, well, back in, in April, um, I think it was April, when the Mueller report came out, I read that. Um, and as, you know, it's a 400-page document. Um, and as an attorney, uh, I found that it was, it was, it was a very fascinating read. It almost read like a, a spy thriller, you know, that mm-hmm. Russia engages in a cyber attack against us. And then we don't know whether that pushed the needle one way or the other, but somehow Donald Trump becomes president. And then after becoming president, time and time and time and time again, he attempts to obstruct the investigation into whatever it is that Russia did that might have helped him out. Um, and from my perspective as an attorney, um, it appeared that there was a very likely possibility that, that something 
possibly criminal, possibly even n- not treason, but you know, a little treasonous, treasony, m- a little treasony <laughs> might have taken place Season here. Of treason, and and I thought that uh, Tis the treason. Tis I d- <laughs> I didn't know that um, impeachment was actually necessary per se. But I believed it was the responsibility of Congress to open an impeachment inquiry mm-hmm. and look into what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, now, based on the Mueller report, I thought there were good grounds in there to impeach. Um, there were nine different uh, situations in which the president had att- had attempted to obstruct justice or obstruct the investigation into what had happened, um, and uh, for for months, or nothing happened. Um, and around Memorial Day, I grew frustrated enough that I started something called the Presidential Impeachment Protest, um, which was uh, a public awareness campaign designed to educate people about the contents of the Mueller report and the need for opening an impeachment inquiry. And for weeks, I would go in front of the White House and stand out there with signs and do little impeachment dances and whatnot. Yeah. Do impeachment dances. I, mean, I, 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 I had fun with it. I worked three blocks from the White House, so I would go down before work or after work. Um, I would, you were doing like the the jug. What's it called? The uh, poi. Poi. What yes. Is that? It's like the balls on the strings that you like. You uh, do, do it with fire, right? Uh, yeah, Usually, I, do, I do. I do it with fire as well. But so. yeah, it's, it's you have a couple balls that hang on ropes and and okay. you spin them around your body. A little um, bit of Burning Man experience. Right. A li- a li- I brought a little bit of the Burning <laughs> Man experience in front of the White he House. He was ready to like uh, jump on a, like one of those high unicycles, naked and like protest in that way. You're like you were all in. Well, I I, I had a hoverboard. I can't do the unicycle. <laughs> um, but no, I was I was having fun with it. Um, you know, this this would be a way for me to get a little bit of exercise before work, and to exercise out some of the frustration that I had as an attorney with something that I thought was really disturbing. Um, and then uh, sometime around uh, September, still nothing had happened for months. Um, and I decided the, the news broke that uh, there had been a suppressed uh, whistleblower report that had not made its way to Congress. It had been filed, had to do with the president, had to do with some phone call with Ukraine. Um, but we didn't know exactly what was in this report because the White House had suppressed it. So I wrote a letter. Um, the co-founder of the group and I signed this letter together, and then I went down to Congress and by hand passed out this letter in the House of Representatives oh, wow. Uh, wow. To, to each and every office. And it was it was a 16-mile journey um, through the halls of Congress. I had it on my Fitbit, so I was actually tracking how many calories miles. I was burning. <laughs> That's so fire! But it's it's it really you don't you you don't understand how big the you know Congress is until you actually do one of these lit uh, yeah. lit distributions. Um, and so as I was walking around, passing out this letter, wearing my presidential impeachment protest shirt, I was watching in the lobby of each office, the news start to change. And I was about somewhere between a third to halfway through my distribution when I walked into one of the, lo- uh, the lobby of a congressperson and I look up at the news screen and I'm, you know, I'm passing the letter to the, the woman that's working at the front desk, and she, she looks up the screen, and she looks at me with my presidential impeachment protest shirt, yeah. and looks at the letter, and I just kind of look back at her, and we have this moment, and I just go, well, I'm definitely going to remember that moment in time, and then walked right back out and kept going. Wow. Um, and then, what, was, what was that? Like, would, was she like, oh, it's happening? Yeah, basically, Nancy Pelosi came out and said, 
um, based on this Ukraine situation, yeah. we are going to actually open up a formal impeachment inquiry. Mm -hmm. And for four or five weeks after that, the Republicans were complaining because they were saying that if, if you were going to have an impeachment inquiry, we had to have a vote on it by the full House. Mm. So on October 31st, uh, there was um, a bill, House Resolution 660, um, that basically formalized the rules of the impeachment inquiry. Now, to be clear, under the, the actual rules of the House, this full vote was not necessary per se, but it, it was a formality that basically said, look, this impeachment inquiry is happening. Um, it is legitimate. We are going forward with it. Um, and on that day, it was it was October 31st that they were going to be voting on this. Um, I was dressed up as an angel uh, for Halloween, <laughs> and I, I had grown this pumpkin. Um, it's it, the 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 variety is called uh, I think a Atlantic Giant or Giant Atlantic. It's the the biggest type of pumpkin in the world. I'd grown it in my front yard. And I live out kind of on the edge of suburbia where nobody would see this pumpkin. Um, and I had carved into its face the words impeach Trump. And I knew that nobody How would big is this pumpkin? Probably like this big. Okay, so like, like a yard. Or it's two foot and a half, two, two feet. feet. Yeah, it, it was bigger than any pumpkin I've ever bought, ever grown, ever. I mean, it, real it's heavy. A big pumpkin. Mm -hmm. And um, I took it down to the White House, and you took uh, the pumpkin there. I took the pumpkin there, <laughs> um, <Trick or> dressed, <laughs> as, dressed as Jesus. Oh, um, so perfect. now you're not the angel, angel anymore. Well, it, it, I, I was dressed the as Jesus an angel. angel? Uh, we'll say a Jesus angel. I had a little halo. I had some robes. I had oh, a okay. rainbow scarf going on. And your friend was probably like, "It was true the whole time. <laughs> it was Jesus well, is back. The, He's back." The, the thing that was really funny about this was, you know, I, I walked up in front of the White House, and there's a, there's a little tent in front of the White House called the White House Peace Vigil. Um, it's run by some veterans. They've been there for almost 40 years in a constant protest of war. And they agreed to essentially operate as the guardians of my pumpkin and guard over my pumpkin what? on Halloween night. Oh, wow. So if you walked past the White House on Halloween night this year, I did. I did not see a pumpkin uh, a pumpkin carved by Donald Trump, but my pumpkin <laughs> was sitting right outside Let's 1600 go. Pennsylvania Avenue, within line of sight of his bedroom window. So <laughs> I that that felt really good. But um, this happens to be the day that they were going to be voting on uh, House Resolution 660. So I reached into my backpack and I happened to have an Infinity Gauntlet, like from Gross. the Avengers movie. <laughs> so I, I put. Hold on, I put hold on, it. Hold on, wait, hold on. I don't watch these movies. What is it? It's so, the thing that Thanos wears. It's with a the giant rings. glove. It's a giant glove. It's a giant glove. Yeah. It's the most powerful weapon in the universe. And when you snap it, you can basically, with the power of your will, do anything you want with reality. And you had this in your backpack. I had this in my backpack. <laughs> okay. I put it on my hand. I, you know, I put the pumpkin in front of the White House. I looked into the camera. I talked about House Resolution 660 and how they were voting on it right then. I snapped my fingers. And right after we complete the shot, somebody hollers out, hey, House Resolution 660 just passed. Wow. And I sit there and I look Bro. at the glove and I kind of look down and I have one of those moments that was just like a little too, a little too perfect. Give me um, a billion dollars. Yeah. No, oh, I got to try that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try that World tonight. Peace. We'll see what happens. I was not ready for that at all. I did not think that that's what, you're a great storyteller. Yeah. By the way. Thank you. Yeah.
Um, but yeah, no, that, w- that was a really fun <laughs> moment. And then I was, as I was walking from that moment back to... Nobody's um, curious why this man had that in his bag? <laughs> Just me? Is I mean, it? after what happened after this. Well, I'm not, I'm not like, curious it. about anything that Peter does. I'm just like, yeah, it's true. Okay. I, I, I got a lot of fun things in my bag. There, there was also a day where I, I went down in front of the White House dressed as Thor, you know, had a hand, had oh, his hammer in one good. hand and held up a sign that said Trump is unworthy, impeach. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've, I've really been having fun Wait, with so this. Like, does it. Does it ever bother you that, like, you actually have read the entire Mueller report like people don't usually do this and like you are educated in all of this you know your stuff and like people kind of see you and even if you don't have a infinity gauntlet or dressed up as thor <laughs> or jesus or whatever they still kind of see you as like oh this guy like i've read comments on your facebook that like uh well not on yours but like that has been shared and it'll mm-hmm. be like oh this like this guy has no job like he's oh. just some hippie that's doing this like all the other ones does it ever bother you that like people don't take it seriously even well, no. though, like, you are actually well-qualified to see yeah, that. Yeah, overly qualified. Right? Well, I mean, it, here's the thing. If, if if I got a job working for the Justice Committee or something like that, then, you know, I would I would behave accordingly. Um, mm-hmm. But since I'm not working in the halls of Congress and I'm just doing this <laughs> as a private citizen, I'm going to have some fun with it. No, no, but I'm, no, I know, like, that for you, but I'm saying for other people, like, not believing you, does that bother you? Like, when you're walking around Congress, like, did you get any looks or anything? Like, like, like who are, are they you to be? Seriously? No, I, I, I haven't felt um, much in the way of, of judgment. Um, mm-hmm. There will be times that people will see me wearing one of my shirts and they'll yeah. come up and they'll ask me questions. We have a very civil conversation about it. Mm. Um, there, there have been a couple occasions on which someone has come up to me and given me a piece of their mind mm-hmm. um, and then walked off before I had and what a do chance you do to when that response. I let them do it. Um, you know, every, everybody has very strong feelings about this stuff, and I, excuse me, as an attorney, um, I do feel that impeachment is something that is very much called for in this situation. Um, is it just because of what you've read and like you think that this is unjust, or is is there anything else about this president that bothers you? Otherwise, do you think that like he's you know? What kind of a job do you think that he's doing? Oh, I think I think he's doing a horrible job. Um, I, th- I think his entire administration has been a complete disaster. Um, the only reason that some people do uh, have positive feelings about it, um, I and this is just my humble opinion, is because the economy's steaming along pretty mm-hmm. well right now, um, and that that really kind of shapes people's perception of things. Um, and is that to his credit, or do you believe otherwise? I don't, I don't think that's necessary. It was set up for him, maybe? I, I, I think the American economy has, doing, has been doing pretty well the past few decades. Um, and how much of that is attributed to um, the current president or even the past president, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, you get a company that comes along like Google, um, and that can transform everything. You get a company yeah. like Amazon. They can transform, you know, the delivery yeah. of goods in, in, in ways that... The United States government is not necessarily um, behind these corporate yeah. successes. That's a really great point. I think yeah. that usually when we think about the economy, the first thing that everyone kind of points to is like, like well, look at the president. president. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that, that's 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 basically how we're trained to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my perspective, um, the president has, and I'm disappointed to say this, I don't want to say this, but I, I think he's um, he's been a disappointment. Um, from my perspective. Um, now, that's not to say that 
things couldn't change like that. That's not to say that, um, you know, that tomorrow could be different, but um, I think he has done a lot to inject um, hatred and racism um, and fear into the American consciousness. Yeah. Um, and the thing that, that, that really troubles me, um, and this, this is not so much criticism of him, but kind of looking at the bigger picture, um, I see a situation in which Russia did do something to interfere with our 2016 election. Um, we still don't know exactly the full extent of what they did or how they did it. But from my perspective, we kind of know two things. Number one, they were hacking into various um, election offices all around the country. Um, and number two, they were purchasing uh, a lot of advertising on social media. Like Facebook and stuff? On, like Facebook, like Twitter. So if you're a Facebook user and you're just kind of scrolling through things, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing a whole bunch of images that the Russians or Russian intelligence mm -hmm have put into your feed. So it's not even necessarily that they had to change any votes. They can change what you're seeing, what you're reading, what you're perceiving, and by doing that, manipulate your behavior. Mm -hmm. So my concern is that even if, if Putin didn't necessarily um, you know, put Trump into office thinking that he could manipulate Trump or control Trump in, in, in one way or another, I am deeply, deeply concerned um, that with Trump in power, there's a phrase, uh, useful idiot. Um, and th th what, what this phrase means is, is uh, it's when a person is not necessarily a traitor or they consciously choose to betray their country, but where you can manipulate them just enough to do what you want them to do and what really bothers me is that if if putin did help to to get trump into office and has been kind of having closed conversations with him i don't know i don't know where the american president ends and the control of the russian president begins mm. and as an american citizen that is very very disturbing to me because over the course of the past century, we've we've engaged in all sorts of different wars: World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, all that. And it was very, you know, when a country would attack you, you'd know it. There would be bodies. You could see the evidence of that attack. But a cyber attack is a very different thing. It can be subtle. And if Russia was to engage in a, a cyber attack or cyber warfare on us, that's still warfare. And um, the fact that there aren't any bodies doesn't mean that the Russians aren't doing it. Um, and, and what bothers me here is that I, I'm really, I don't know if Putin is currently pulling strings or if he's just messing with all our heads uh, for his, basically for his own amusement and to make America look foolish. Hmm. And regardless of which of these two things it is, um, or you know, maybe there's a third option, but to me it appears to be either Putin is pulling strings or Putin's having some fun using an entirely new form of warfare um, that, that's not about 
killing people. It's mm. it's it's about basically hacking our minds. Yeah. Um, and we we still don't know the full extent of of what's going on here. Yeah. So. Um, can you sort of do your job and uh, educate as many people that are listening to us as possible and kind of let us know what uh, going forward we should look for in the next uh, presidential candidate? Like, is there anybody that you would like to personally endorse or that you kind of think is on the right ball? Um, I, I don't want to endorse anyone at this okay. time. Um, I will say this. I'm, I I. I would not be endorsing Donald Trump for re-election. Um, I can say that quite clearly. Um, really uh, it's like he changes his whole merch company to <laughs> re-elect. re-elect. <laughs> well, you, you know, there was a moment where I thought about taking the, the... After the impeachment inquiry was formally started, the thing that we had been protesting for for months, you know, we no longer had a need to protest for it. So now we have these shirts that say presidential impeachment protest, but when we were wearing them, people would come up to us and say, hey, are you protesting the impeachment? Uh, and we realized, uh, oh, this branding doesn't work anymore. So we renamed mm. ourselves Americans for Impeachment, but we still have those presidential impeachment protest designs. And I was thinking about trying to sell those to people that, you know, oh, want no. to protest the impeachment, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> oh my God. We're, we're, we're not going to go that yeah. route. Um, okay, and, so what to look for in the, in the future candidates? Um, I, I would say look for someone. Um, my my big concerns, uh, at least within the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. is that there seems to be a a fight going on between the the establishment liberal Democrats that have kind of controlled the party for a long time, okay. um, and the more progressive wing, uh, the Bernie Sanders, the the Elizabeth Warren types. Um, I I don't think that conflict is necessary. I think that conflict within the Democratic Party is causing... uh, I think it's it's creating a situation where we're fighting among ourselves so much um, that the other side is winning because we're distracted by our own own conflict. now, I'd say going forward into to 2020 in the election, um, you know, if I was going to to endorse one party over the other at the moment, it would be the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, but as to as to which candidate is best, I think we need to, to wait and see and uh, let the candidates figure that out for themselves. Um, it also says you grew up on a street literally paved with gold. Okay, so the, the, this is actually an interesting story. So I'm just going through the, the right. fun stuff now. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's fine. Um, so I grew up on, uh, or I spent my 20s onwards living title. on Fawcett Road. <laughs> um, and uh, across the road from where I live, there was a gold mine. And back during the Civil War, um, a Civil War soldier went down, and as he was cleaning his pan in the creek, he saw some flecks of gold uh, at the bottom of his pan. So after the war, he came back, started a, a gold mine there, um, and as they pulled all the, the the earth out of the ground to build this mine, they used that ground to pave the road um, that goes down from from where I live, MacArthur Boulevard. And I've been told, and I don't know that this is true, this is just what I've been told, mm-hmm. that um, using the gold extraction techniques that are available to us today, if we were to churn up all that uh, earth that had been pulled out of the ground in the making of that gold mine and reprocess it. You could actually turn a profit off the gold that is in the road uh, or in the base of the road. So if you own that property right there, then like nobody can touch it and like you have some gold 
Well, it's a street. Well, th- theoretically, but the gold mine shut down because they weren't pulling enough money out of it um, or enough gold out of it for it to be profitable um, at the time. Um, but there's still the gold. It's it's in the, in it's the still there, but now it's a national park, so they don't they don't oh, they don't, yeah, they don't mine it anymore. Yeah, got it. Hmm. That's crazy. And then when it comes to a lifestyle, a lot of what it says is like skydiver, scuba diver, a lot of diving, uh, fire spinner. <laughs> like, are you, would you consider yourself an adrenaline junkie? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, back back when I was in college, uh, during my freshman year, I joined ROTC, and at the time. Um, I wanted to the the career that I had my uh, had my eyes set on was becoming you know a, a James Bond type going into the military or the intelligence services learning how to do all the things that James Bonds can do skydive scuba dive you know um, and in the course of my ROTC training there was a day where uh, we were doing drills and I had to, to crawl along the ground and flip over a friend's body or corpse um, to see if it was booby-trapped with a grenade. And as I was rolling his body over, um, I had this thought go through my head that goes, you know what, I, I, I'd happily die for my country, but I think I'd much rather live for it. Um, and, you know, just minutes after that thought, I went into the ROTC offices, I, I pulled out of the program and put my heads back into the books. Wow. But that, that's, that's kind of what got me started going down that path. And even though I didn't end up you know, going on and becoming a professional killer, I still taught myself how to fly a plane and jump out of it and, and, and all that jazz. And so it, it has been, it's been a fun life. Yeah, you so, are one interesting individual. Thank you. To, to bring yeah. it full circle, I mean, um, you, know, you have all of these interesting ambitions and you have so much in your life that I feel like you're still uh, experimenting in and, and all that. Uh, looking the way you do, I feel like nobody bothers you um, in that in in the way that like if if you want to go on about doing this stuff, you can. Why do you care so much about all the all the work that you're doing in law and trying to bring justice to this country? Um, I I, I think I, I have two answers to that. Number one, um, I had some amazing parents growing up. My my mother worked for the State Department. My father was an economist for Congress. Um, you know, I, I was an active member of the, the Washington political community for years, um, and I was kind of indoctrinated to believe that the, the best way to, to have a positive impact in the world, to change the world in a positive way, was through government. It was through public service. Um, and I started, started going down that route. Um, the... I'm sorry, can you restate the question again? Just I was asking you why you care about doing all of the, the work that you do when you could go on about your life yeah, living. Yeah, just like do. Like, why do you care about, you know, this protest and... Because you seem like a very empathetic individual. The, um, I, I am pretty empathetic. Um, the, the second half of my answer... Um, basically comes down to uh, the growing up I believed in this idea that you know at least in America we had created this country where truth justice the American way was was a thing Hmm. Um, and you know if if you go to a bank 
um, and you take out a loan, um, you know, and you sign your name to that, you're going to be held to your debts. Um, if you commit a crime and you get caught, you are going to be held to that. If you lie, you might not get in trouble if it's not some sort of legal agreement. But, you know, even in that situation, even if you don't have to deal with the law, you're going to have to deal with God or the universe or whatever sort of spiritual ramification might come around for whatever bad thing that you've done. Karma. Yeah. And my concern um, at the moment, uh, and this, this has been a big concern ever since Donald Trump got elected, uh, was that something's, something's shifted in the American consciousness uh, in the past few years. Um, where we have a president who lies, I think on average, something like 13 times a day. Um, and this, this, is, consi- a this is considered uh, a new normal. I mean, he, he's, he's been caught, I think, over 13,000 times since mm-hmm. being sworn Jeez. in, making misleading statements or lies. Um, and that, to me, is just really, really, that's just really troubling. Mm. Um, and I want, as, as an attorney, you know, I always I believed in this idea that you know you have the law on your side, and if you don't have the law on your side, you have God on your side. And we currently live in a country where the law is some of the lawyers and some of the politicians in D.C. who have sworn oaths on our Constitution um, are engaging in very questionable behavior Mm. um it it disappoints me as a citizen it disappoints me as a spiritual person it really disappoints me as an attorney Mm. um and because of the fact that it it disturbs me so much that's that's the reason that i felt a need to to step up um and draw attention to the things that i think are important um and i think investigating um the, the the corruption and the foreign influence um or the the potential foreign influence that's going on in the white house that's that's a very important thing to me from the perspective of just as a citizen yeah that's uh, great what's that mean that's like I have, I have the power of god and anime on my side peter's got god and law on his side so. <laughs> um peter where can people find your uh merchandise and anything else you want to promote that they should check out and we'll make sure to link it in the description. So Okay. Um, well, I, I would thoroughly encourage people to go to uh, americansforimpeachment.org if they want to find out information uh, about, about the ongoing impeachment. Um, if you want to support us, uh, we, we're selling some merchandise at perfectrepublic.com. Um, we have a little t-shirt shop with mugs and bumper stickers and whatnot. Um, but other than that, I, I think the I, I'd like to use this opportunity to encourage people to call the Capitol Hill switchboard um, and contact uh, both of your U.S. senators um, and and express your support for the, the impeachment and the removal and the conviction of President Trump. Uh, and we there the phone number for that switchboard. If you can give me one moment here. Yeah, and I'll I'll make sure to put that number in the description as well so the 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 phone number for the the capital switchboard is 202 224 3121 uh and when you call them up you'll speak to a very nice person you explain what state you're calling from and that you want to speak to your state's senior senator they'll connect you to your senator's office 
Just express your support for impeachment. When you're done with that phone call, call that number again and ask to speak to your state's junior U.S. Senator and do the same thing. Just say that you support impeachment, removal, and conviction. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do at the mm. moment. Right now it wow. looks like the um, this morning uh, the House uh, passed two articles of impeachment. They're going to be passed on to the full House, which is going to vote on them next week. Um, and chances are those two articles of impeachment are going to pass. Um, after that happens, everybody's going to go home for winter recess. Um, and starting in the new year, the U.S. Senate will be holding a trial, most likely, of President Trump. Um, and at the moment, it's very important that people reach out to their senators and say, look, enough is enough. You know, we're done with the lies. We're done with the corruption. We're done with whatever foreign influence is going on. Real action has to be taken. Yeah. Well, Peter, thank you for doing that work on the behalf of so many yeah, people, especially you. with the background you have. We appreciate you and, and we're really thankful for you coming on this podcast and sharing your entire sort of life story and uh all the work you've done and and you know your positivity well thank you for having me it's been a pleasure we wish you the best going forward um but there's one last question that we ask on the end of every podcast Mm -hmm. and uh shamir if you want to take that away if you could describe yourself as any flavor what flavor would it be and why Ooh. The thing that comes to mind is black raspberry, homemade black raspberry ice cream is my absolute favorite thing. Um, Why do you think that describes you? I don't think it describes me. I think that's what I just like. If you want want something that (laughs) describes describes me, your flavor. Ben and Jerry's Americone Dream. Wow. Go into it. Go into it. Oh, it's, 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 it's. I mean, it's pretty much just the perfect ice cream, and I, I realize that Stephen Colbert is the face on that pint of ice cream right now. Um, I'm not saying that I want to replace him, but I'm just saying that it would be highly appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, you know, you being uh, the son of an immigrant and, and having the lifestyle that you've gotten the privilege to, you are living the American dream, and you're oh, getting to definitely. do all that. So. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you again, Peter, for coming on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for everybody listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. I need more green flavor, and it needs to sign me. I know I need more food care.